Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Support for this season of Assembly comes from the Cary Theater in Cary, North Carolina, the Center for Advanced Hindsight in Durham, North Carolina, and a special thanks to Overcoat Management in Chicago, Illinois. If you'd like to support Assembly, go to our website, theassemblypodcast.com, or email me directly, theassemblypodcast at gmail.com. Oh, we're about to start. Here we go. Modern School of Film presents Assembly, a look at what brings us together in parts. My name is Robert Malazzo, and I'll bring you what I see, what I hear, and what I learn. Now, let's start the assembly. They say the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. But what about those parts? The people we know, the places we go, the things we do, communities, cultures, causes, are tiles that when placed together make up a beautiful mosaic of a life, of us. And our pieces, when looked at individually, are kind of mind-blowing. And that's what I want to do on this show with you, season by season, week to week, part by part. Take our tiles and stack them, connect them, and take a step back. Assembly. I find it's not always the top-line events in our lives that matter. It's our smaller moments, our decisions, our actions, our motivations, our choices, our meetings. And that collective reverb is the assembly. This first season of Assembly features a reverb that started, oh, about 15 years ago. Maybe more, but we'll get to the more. But first, a little backstory with a gentle warning. There's a lot of detail here, so be patient. But it all adds up, I promise. Sam Beam is the singer-songwriter Iron and Wine. Sam is also an artist and a former film teacher, and that will come in handy along the way. Stay tuned. 
In 2004, Sam went into the studio with a two-piece band called Colexico made up of Joey Burns and John Convertino. The three guys had never worked together before, but you couldn't tell from what emerged out of that session, which was a seven-song EP called In The Rains, a resounding success not only within their individual fan bases, but within the eyes and, of course, the ears of the larger musical community. So riding that, the guys decide to do a tour, which led to more acclaim, more love, and the sense that these guys fit together in kind of a beautiful and interesting way. They had a lot in common in terms of what they loved, what they listened to, how they worked, how they saw community, how they were developing as artists, as men with family, and how they saw the road. Cut to a movie montage, one of my favorite things, of 15 years of texts and emails and phone calls and messages and bottles, and the guys decide to re-collaborate, reassemble, if you will. Sam and John and Joey, along with other amazing musicians who will meet along the way in assembly, did what most artists, let alone people, strive to do, catch lightning in a bottle, twice. And they did. And that something old, something new configuration has led to the Grammy-nominated record, the de facto follow-up to In the Rains, Ears to Burn. Are you still with me? Oh, good. That's a good sign. <laughs> so, let's cut to now. The guys have decided to support the new record, Years to Burn, but support it in a unique way, I think. Before a world tour, they want to start with one isolated week. A week that will help them musically, of course, in terms of the larger tour, but also in terms of the micro, the sounds, the friends, the fans families, the teams, the communities, all the languages, all the conversations. So honoring that, the guys have decided to start their week in Sonic Solitary, Saxpaha, North Carolina, close to Sam's home. The menu in Saxpaw Hall will start with a rehearsal, their first in 15 years, leading to a show, their first in 15 years. Sensing a pattern? After Saxpaw Hall, the only flag I see is the final one, an outdoor show in the small town of Brooklyn, New York, my old haunt. Did you know that there are over 20 Brooklyns in the United States? True story. No? Oh well. So that's this season's assembly. Seven days with Colexco and Iron and Wine. That's the straight. We'll travel the narrow. Here we are. And here I go. Part number one of the assembly, the reassembly. As I said, Sam lives in North Carolina, so I thought I'd head to him first before the rehearsal at Saxpaw Hall. But I also wanted to connect with John and Joey. Now, that was a little trickier. They were making the trek east from the west. Joey is based in Tucson, Arizona. John is based in El Paso, Texas. Now, I can't be in three places at once last time I checked. So, my apple, help. <laughs> it's going to be one of those weeks. I can just feel it. My name is Sam. Sam Beam. I sing and play guitar. <laughs> so tempted to be snarky. I don't know. Uh, we've been in touch since like 2002, 2003, but we made a record in December 2004. Yeah, and then we toured for about a year and some change. 
What was it like then coming off that tour? Was there so much resonance that you thought this could be another thing we do again? I definitely felt like we would do it again. Really? Yeah, it was a really transformative time for me. With Joey and John, suddenly I felt like I could jump and they would catch me. We played different roles, but it was all, they were all equal parts. Joey and John are incredible enablers. They're really voracious um, listeners. They don't like just one particular type of music. Um, we, we had a lot of kindred, kindred spirit kind of ideas um, as far as like include lots of different genres and the kind of music that you wanted to make. We're just sort of, we're fast friends along those lines. But I also didn't really know how to be um, an open collaborator. It, it was a learning process for me when I finally figured it out. Yeah, it was super rewarding. But um, yeah, it took me a little while. When did the idea arrive to do it again? We had talked about it off and on for years. I mean, every time we would we would see each other, we're like, we got to do it. I want to do it, but I'm busy. <laughs> um, oh, you know, I think it might have been the FUV Christmas show at the Beacon like a couple years ago. We, this is the first time we sat on a stage and we played some of our songs together and played other songs together. And for me, that was that was the moment where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. This could be... Because mo- usually what we would do, we would see each other at a festival or Joey would check in and send me tracks to, you know, to, but it's all kind of remote. Um, also, because it's just been a long time, you realize how time slips by. Yeah. And you're like, if I'm this is fun. This moment right here on the stage is fun. If I want to like do that again, I'm going to have to make it happen. And so it's a matter of just just being proactive. Hey, Robert, Joey. Hey, John and Joey. This is John. Hello. Howdy, Joey. Hey, John. Have you guys met? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. And you know, I'll reintroduce you to Sam if you don't remember him. He has a really big fucking beard. Yeah. That's Sam. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's cool about his beard now is that it has a contour to it. It used to just kind of grow, it just grew out of his face. And it's like, yep, there's a man. Now there's like little curls. And there's a little thick part there and a thin part there and a gray part there. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Oh, awesome. The three of you, you all coming together again. Besides cool, is that something you think about or is that just for the outside world to kind of make sense of either way? Yeah, it's a form of reassembly or starting over because you might have some uh, memories or experiences in the past, and we certainly do. And, and Sam and I have talked about it. John and I, you and I have talked about it. But, you know, it's it's so different and it's been such a, a great span of time between 2004 and now and so you know we're all kind of different people in some ways and so uh, I'm super excited Uh, I love just kind of changing it up Uh, John and I spent so many years before Calexico really doing a lot more collaborations uh, and we still do some but it's nice to kind of get back into that and really kind of have the slate be completely wide open. John, what about you? Who do you like to huddle with creatively, personally? You want people around you that are familiar and kind of know the telepathy and the way you're thinking and your sensibilities. You know, when we first hooked up with Sam, we didn't know him at all, but we heard his songs and knew that, you know, we could find a connection in them. And we have that connection and they come together and and, I, you know, I think that's, that's the beauty of this kind of music, you know, is we're reacting off of each other. It's live. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most is, you know, when we get together and start playing music. 
or either in the room or on stage or in the studio. Will the three of you ever just sort of talk and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm sure we will have those moments because um, it is the nature of touring, right? It's, there is so much time just spent waiting around for travel, sound checks. When you get back together, it's a great uh, reassembly or reunion with your friends. And certainly, I've always thought that with Sam, whether we just send each other a message or send each other tracks, it's just kind of good to relate, um, first and foremost, just as friends and also you know, having families and stuff like that. So we'll have those conversations. Firm grasp of the obvious warning, this seems purposeful to start in your own backyard of Saxpa Hall. So why start there? Why start at the Haw River Ballroom? Why? What do you mean? Why not? <laughs> okay, great. Next question. Is that a typical stance? Like, will a musician say, you know, let's do it here. You know, let's rally around a community and start it here. I mean, you're from here now. You live yeah, here. Yeah, I live here. I like working there. It's isolated, but also cozy. You know, there's the restaurant and coffee and everything that you need to, to do what we need to get done, but none of the other distractions is kind of nice. I love how Sam drops that right there because it's so easy to forget amidst this musical family reunion. This was art in time, on time. This is a job. There are expectations. Yes, they wanted magic, but they needed to be practical magicians, all under the not-so-passive gaze of the hometown. Now, Sam is actually from South Carolina, lived for a time in Florida, Austin, Richmond, but the most recent chapters of his life have claimed North Carolina as his home. You know, it's interesting because when when the first time we did this collaboration, he came to our neighborhood and Sam came to Tucson, so now it kind of feels like we're going to his neighborhood. I, I really do think there's a vibe geographically. The layout of the land is very, very different in the Carolinas than in the Southwest. Do you guys look at the weather before you go, <laughs> go to a place? Yeah, I look at the weather and see what's happening and wonder what boots to bring. John, do you look at the weather? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to know what to, to pack because, you know, I like to travel light because I have to lug a lot of stuff anyway, um, cymbals and snares. And, so this is going to be a summer tour, so it's going to be easy in that way. Okay, maybe I was getting too granular. I've been accused of that before. So I wanted to wrap up with the guys, get a few final quick thoughts, and end it before it ended for me. You know that feeling when someone scoots off the phone even though they're doing it politely? I wanted to avoid that. I will be driving from the North Carolina coast to Saxbaha, uh, where, where we'll meet everybody to rehearse the next day. So I guess I'll be in route too then, if you are, Joey, right? Yeah, yeah, probably, or the day before. You know that John lives in El Paso, right? I do. Um, I'm going to have to get off here in just a minute because my family's leaving this uh, pool party celebration for their last day of school. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry. Appreciate it. And it's great hearing both your voices. Likewise, man. Thanks. Yeah, you too. See you, Joey. All right. Take care. Okay, not my most graceful dismount, but I'm glad it shook out that way because it allowed me a few last beats with John Coverantino, which reminded me that no matter how often we travel the same road, it's never the same road. You know, I really seriously don't remember a lot of the touring we did with Sam the first time because I was going through a divorce. I was really hitting the bottle hard. Well, I was kind of coming out of it and starting a new relationship that I didn't feel like I was really ready for. It was a transitional period for me, for sure. And 
I was so thankful to have that music to, to, to dive into every night. Um, you know, what's great is to, to live through it. You know, you, you live through the meat grinder and you come out a piece of sausage and you're like, hey, I can still talk about it. And um, on to the next grinding. <laughs> you know what I mean? You learn. This is what it's all about. You know, this is our shot. That's huge. And that's very brave of you to say. It's very brave of you to say. Thanks for the positive vibe. That look forward to meeting you. And um, I'm totally transparent. I hate to say that because Trump just said that. <laughs> Did you ever think, not can we repeat it, but should we touch it? I mean, it's a discipline that I had to apply. I can definitely, I can go there. I can think, wow, that was really cool. You know, that time when we did that and the connection that it made with the audience. I also think, what the fuck? That means I can't ever do another record? What does that mean? I mean, I would like to for time to stop in my most favorite moments, but it won't. It's just the way life works. I am who I am now. Let's try something else. I mean, it's not 2005. I can't repeat what happened in the studio when we made In the Rains. And so it's really much more fun to just think of it as a blessing and a time in your life. So let's see what else is around the corner and see how to make that discovery the best as possible and, and be as engaged in the present moment as you possibly can. If you try to like get too precious about it, then it's it gets in your head and you get afraid to make any new moves. And to me, the new moves are the only ones worth making. New moves it is. But to better understand the new moves, I wanted to understand some of the old moves just a little bit better. Especially heading into this first part rehearsal, which I find to be a really accurate bullshit detector. For Sam, John, and Joey, what was their traditional path from lab to completion? How were these guys as collaborators? How were these guys with expectation, with deadlines? How were they in the room? Basically, how were these guys? Oh, and a small coda, how if at all? things change in time. Uh, my name is Matt Rossbang, and I'm a recording engineer, producer, and mixer based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Used to burn, I, I, I would just, I would feel comfortable saying I engineered and mixed it. It was really produced by Joey and Sam. I think they, they were kind enough to give me a co-producer credit, uh, but that's just me being in the trenches with them. But it, really, it was really produced by well, all of Calexico and, and, and Sam. How did you all first meet? There's online dating now, and so the, so it's um, really revolutionized the way we find each other. No, uh, it's still, I know I made the joke about online dating, but all this stuff really comes from word of mouth. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten a gig where someone's like, yeah, we Googled recording engineer, and you were the on page 45. Uh, it's all thanks to friends and, and friends of friends that really this stuff comes together. And they picked me because uh, they wanted a, a worse engineered record than their previous ones, I think. My name is Greg Schumacher. I've owned and operated Wave Lab Recording Studio since, uh, I'm going to say, 1993. My best role, I feel, is a uh, benevolent co-producer um, that occasionally has to get grumpy, but most of the time, usually pretty happy. What I will say about In the Rains is it was one of the fastest recordings we've done. I want to say it was like seven days, start to finish. What made it work was it was a collaborative record. I remember coming back from lunch when we did that one, and we, we had gone out to eat, I think maybe Coca-Cola, we were all happy. And 
And I said, hey, Sam, you know, I got I got an idea maybe for some harmonica on that little, you know, that kind of blues tune we just did. He goes, yeah, sure, go ahead and do it. And I put it down. He goes, that was badass. As in badass. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, man. How were the guys in the room together? I found them to be quite pleasant when they weren't on crack cocaine, which was... I'd say about 95% of the time. No, uh, um, I had listened to In the Rains when it had, had, had been released, but I don't often re-listen to things right before I work with them because, in my opinion, no one ever is trying to make the same record twice. I had not met Colexico yet. We had texted actually before because they wanted to come visit me and, and see the studio I work at in Memphis some. From my end, that, you know, all these guys had recorded together before and uh you know Colexico has been together you know how long and, and, and Sam and in the essence I'm kind of the new guy and even for me um you know in a couple of days you just you become family and it's like you guys have you're you're like you're married and and, and it's kind of like you know being in the trenches or something without uh, all the awful stuff that comes with being in the trenches <laughs> without bullets and blood but you know i never worked with phil specter but i heard stories but um you know almost every Colexico record and almost every project i've ever done with them is songwriting real time in the studio because the studio is where we you know that's our tablet that's our our sketch pad i have made every record with them except one kind of stay out of the way on the front end while the collaborative discovery process is going and keep track of things and then slowly we turn them into working ideas and Joey develops more melodic ideas and brings lyrics he's been working on to bear and, and you know we just try different things and sort of see how it fits but a lot of our records are built on kind of jam ideas themselves singularly as Calexico the driving force is usually Joey melodically chord wise but then he's John and Joey's partnership of coming up with the rhythmic ideas so you know you have two really brilliant gifted musicians and um, both of them are sort of artistic sponges that can, you know, jump around from style to style and have great ears. And, and then you hear Sam's voice and it's just like, it just takes you to this other place, right? Being able to get those nice harmonies with him. And that guy was obviously, from the first time I met him, incredibly gifted musically. His ear is ridiculous. His ability to harmonize to himself and phrase to himself um, is just unique. Um, and it's not, he makes it look easy. Like, he'll be like, give me another track. Okay, boom. And it's like, bam. He's just doing a double or whatever he's doing. And then, you know, getting Joey to sing and join in with him and their voices matching. And I, mean, I just, that was one of the happier records I think we've ever made because it was just so much fun. It was really one of the most uh, fun, uh, heart one. I mean, you just didn't want to leave every day. And, and you didn't want to, like I said, it was really sad when it was over. It just was a... Uh, you know, when it's in the moment, you're not, you're relishing it, but you're also, you know, you, it's too soon to reminisce and you're just trying to keep everything in recording, keep things going and, and laughing and having a good time and being in the moment. And then afterwards, it's just kind of like a blur of uh, happiness, for lack of a better word. But yeah, everybody was just so warm and welcoming from the get go and, and everyone was there to serve the song and there was no ego about it, which was just awesome. You know, everyone was there for each other and to help each other out and to get the best thing possible, which is what you want. So it was just part of being like on a really great team of, you know, all of them were all stars. Insert mic drop.
the predicate was in place, batteries were charged, and all was in an upright and stowed position, even though I was driving. Time to get to Saxpaha, North Carolina, and see the guys kick off this rehearsal, the planned prelude for our first performance of the week, almost literally in Sam's backyard. Now, what a rehearsal is varies. I've rehearsed films and plays, but I've never watched a rehearsal for music that was being readied for a performance and for a tour. Added to which, a lot of artists don't really like to rehearse. They think it takes away from spontaneity. But based on what Matt and Craig had just told me, I didn't think spontaneity would be in short supply. Rehearsal? We're talking about rehearsal? Sam... What's a rehearsal? Yeah, it's like a rehearsal for a play. You're learning your parts. You have the lines. You're learning the lines. You're learning the beats. You're learning the interaction, what works and what doesn't. Trying to create some scope. It's much more like, yeah, dress rehearsals for a play. Because there's some improvisational elements to it and just sort of rearranging things, there's quite a lot of, um, you know, a lot of it's being written on the stage. But at the same time, we have a basic script. I realize, like, as long as you come to the table with a few ideas and don't expect everyone, you know, it just to be like be this wild, open democracy and everything work out. You know, someone has to put the idea on the table for people to kick around. And so I always came with ideas. You know, you can use each rehearsal or each, you know, whatever, each experience to some way to, like, just squeeze some other kind of creative moment out of where you're creating and coming up with something new and shaking it up a little bit. I couldn't stop turning in my head how important this first moment was going to be, how part one of the assembly was really going to serve the guys the whole week. In a way, it was the smallest target possible, but it had these really interesting systems of control and expectation around it, not just professional, sonic, artistic, but personal, familial, infrastructural, fiscal. Oh, and we haven't even gotten to their fans, the audience who has been waiting 15 years for these guys to do this all over again. So cool. Next stop, rehearsal. Calexico, Iron and Wine, and 400 of their closest friends. <laughs> and me. I'll try to blend in, <laughs> but this is a good place for a break. When we come back, I'll meet you in Saxpaw Hall. There's much more to assemble, so I'll see you there. But first this. Hey there, it's me again. It's Rob. <laughs> I want to tell you about a few things here in the mid-break. The first is the Modern School of Film. I always tell my students, you don't need to be in a school to be a student. And that's why I started the Modern School of Film. It's not always about the education of art. It's about the art of education. Go to the website, modernschoolfilm.com. That's one big word. At the Modern School of Film, I do all manner of talks, classes, online film clubs, online classes, partnerships, events in your town and beyond. The Modern School of Film has content to share and bring into your own educational environment, including the masterclasses I've done with luminaries from the worlds of art, life, culture, 
a lot of cool folks have come to the modern school of film. Folks like Willem Dafoe, Ang Lee, Glenn Close, Salman Rushdie, Ken Burns, David Cross, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Alanis Morissette, Frank Black of the Pixies, Jeff Tweedy, Wesley Snipes, Chuck Palahniuk, Peter Bogdanovich, Marina Abramovich, late masters like Wes Craven and Abbas Kiarostami and D.A. Pennebaker, and many more. And when they talk at the modern school of film, they're teachers. That's pretty cool. Go to the website, modernschooloffilm.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Mod School of Film. That's M-O-D, School of Film. And send me a note, get involved, take a class. We're all students. The other thing I wanted to mention to you is the other podcast I do called Murmur, M-U-R-M-U-R. On Murmur, I take one subject every week and do an hour-long deep dive with a guest kind of of record. And that guest comes from art, culture, current events, politics, athletics, education. And in that hour dive, we can hopefully get out what that subject means to them. And subjects tend to be evergreen and everlasting. So we're trying to save the world. For example, we had Johnny Moore talk about collaboration, Matt Berniger of The National talk about anxiety, ESPN's Doris Burke on criticism, CNN's Jeff Tubin on anthropology as art, Nico Case holds forth on harmony, Angie Dickinson on the past, Jeff Bridges on the art of the actor, and the late Anthony Bourdain talks about the art of life. But wait, there's more. <laughs> if you have a subject you'd like me to feature on Murmur, email me directly, murmurradio at gmail.com. I'll take your subject and I'll find a guest for you and give you full credit, just like you were back in school, but only better, you're going to get an A. Murmurradio.com, that's one word, M-U-R-M-U-R, radio. Com. Go to the website, subscribe to the show, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, at MSF Murmur, hosted by me, brought to you by the Modern School of Film. Check it out. But now, back to the assembly. What draws us to places, spaces, of course, we're all born into a place in a space, but I was wondering what magnetizes us to a certain spot. Work, culture, politics, family, topography, weather, education, a dream, loss, love. Yes, I know, all of the above, and on and on. The external charm of Saxpaha is pretty clear as you drive in. It's a small country town, traditional, far from modern. Houses spread out almost clandestine to a point, all pulled together by these incredible patches of nature, greeneries, trees, and this beautiful river, the Haw River. Haw meaning river, so it's literally river, river. The Haw River is truly a blanket to this entire town. I wouldn't call it sleepy. I would call it alive, quiet, but never silent. Like us, towns change and they don't. Saxpaha is no different. It was actually built around a cotton mill in 1844 by the Quaker John Newland, and the central feature of the town was the mill and the dye house. Now, those structures were shut down in the late 20th century because of a tornado, but in the last handful of years were resurrected, re-erected by a group who wanted to see this architecture, this premise, this place, this space live again, live its best life for those of you who are 20 out there. And boy, is it living again. Now, the town is still small. It's under 2,000 population total. But most, if not all, have found use in this multi-tiered piece of architecture I'm sitting in today. There's the mill. There's the dye house, which is now the Haw River Ballroom. But there's also this incredible general store and a butchery and a really cool farm-to-table restaurant right above the Haw River Ballroom. There's also, which I love, a school nearby. So maybe future generations of Saxapaians can throw their stone on the pile. 
Feel the ripple? But if you're not from here, why come to Saxpaha? I had been here a few times before, kind of passing through, which is all maybe you can do unless you live here or are here for a reason. Reasons we got. Bands from all over the world have come to Saxpaha to play at the Har River Ballroom. Sam has played here a few times. John and Joey have played here a few times. And folks from all over the state come to listen to the music or take in the river or both. So, friends, what brings us to a place? Well, like all things assembly, lots of parts to this. And soon lots to listen to. Rehearsal was afoot. I was early. So, people who know me know. First, a coffee. Uh, my name is Rook. I'm a barista here. I also help run the shows and do hospitality for the band sometimes. And I'm from um, western North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of folks that ask that question of why the, the artists and the weirdos end up in Saxpot. And yeah. It's the ley line, some people say. There's a crossing right here. What's the ley line? Magnetic field of the earth, like the lines that intersect. People say that there's like more potency uh, at those intersections, and there's like one in Saxpa, So, Can you feel that? I mean, if you walk near its existence? Um, I, get, I don't know that we're, we have the sensitivity in our bodies to feel that. Um, like cows do, for instance. Cows have that sensitivity. That's why they all face north, like if you take aerial photos. But we don't really have that sensitivity, I don't think. Maybe some humans do. But I definitely felt drawn to Saxpa in this sort of like dreamlike way of like I didn't understand what I was going to do here. And then I just stayed. Caffeinated and illuminated, I headed to the Hall River Ballroom, site of today's rehearsal and the performance in a few days, the now sold out performance. No pressure. Scored by the lullaby of the Hall River flowing, folks were just starting to trickle in, pardon the pun, opening doors, unboxing, lugging, unpacking, cleaning, clearing, readying, and looking. And that's where I saw John Convertino looking at the architecture. I hadn't met John yet. I felt like I had, but this was going to be the first thing. I didn't want to be that guy, but he kind of knew who I was in advance. I was the guy with the microphone. So we shared a quick wave. I walked over. And it all felt really familiar. My name is John Convertino, and I play drums for Calexico. I call this domestic jet lag. How did you feel waking up this morning? And I mean that of, did you know where you were? Today was really beautiful. So yesterday, when I woke up here, I was woken up by a bird. And this morning, it was the exact same bird singing the exact same song, so it was really sweet. Airbnb is getting very sophisticated. I didn't know that was a possible (laughs) add-on. There are times, believe me, when I wake up and it's like, am I in a hotel room? Am I home? Am I in the bus? Is this a nap? Is this morning? Is this night? (laughs) Where the hell am I? Am I up or down? That's the, the chaos and craziness of the road, and I've learned to love that moment of wacky doodleness. Do you ever think to yourself, it beats digging ditches? Of course. Although, I like physical work. (laughs) That's why I'm a drummer. I like moving my body, so I like to, I've planted trees, and I don't know if you've ever dug a hole in West Texas, there's a lot of rocks. But you're really honest about doing this tour with these guys years ago and kind of not feeling as connected to the moments, frankly not remembering. Do you feel the reset? 
of these new days. Yeah, it's amazing. It's 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 totally different. It's a whole new, fresh crop of emotions and and thoughts, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. You, you don't always have a chance to do something like this. It's it's unique for it to come circling all the way back around. You know. Welcome back. Thanks. John and I parted company for just a brief minute, which afforded me a moment to go towards the burgeoning beautiful sounds I was hearing inside the ballroom itself. And two things jumped out at me right away. Can I get a copy of that? There was all the hard work from this really slender crew. A couple of folks in the sound department, a tour manager, Sam's manager who we're going to meet in the next episode, and everybody had a hand on a case unlocking, unclasping, plugging in, moving, and lifting. This included John and Joey and Sam and the three other members of the group who were going to meet this season on assembly. The core group was actually tending to its own gear themselves. A super inspiring piece of DIY that I guess hadn't changed in 15 years. The other part of my report is an oral part. I was hearing these incredible conversations for folks who hadn't seen each other in 15 and more years. There were hellos, hellos again. There was small talk, but mostly really big talk. Deep embraces, large smiles, and really a kind of unspoken reverb. I could feel it, and I didn't know really anyone there. (laughs) One deep embrace I was especially drawn to was with someone who had no official role in this assembly, but was merely a friend who had recorded with John and Joey and Sam over the years, a singer-songwriter who herself was a daughter of North Carolina. She wanted to be there for the kickoff. She brought her daughter who was running around having a better time than any of us were, but who more importantly wanted to seize this precious moment for people who call the road their home and their home the road. Yeah, we have to come say hi. What do we say, Mama? All right. You run more time without me and come back and then I'll run with you. Ready, set, go. Tip, no. My name is Tift Merritt, and I am a writer and a musician. It was so funny because Sam had invited me to come out, and then I got this invitation to go to the beach with my kid. He said I had my priorities straight, but I said I really want to come out and say hey to to the gang, and, and I had not seen John. John had not met my daughter. And you know, I mean, the world of music is just small and and it's this kind of all in it together so sam just said come on out and say say hey i know they would want to see you actually that becomes really important because these are the people that are doing what you do and they love what you love john lives in el paso it's been three years since i saw him and and you know we shared this very special time in the studio and when you're in the studio with someone that's like you're really trying to put your heart on on a plate and you have to surround yourself with people who are going to help you jimmy that out they see a lot of you right they see the things that are hard and important to say it's just it's kind of a family uh and i just before we went to the beach i wanted to give everybody a hug you and Tift recorded an album together, right? We did. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling Alone, the record, with Mark. Do it again. Come on. If you need, not need, but if you want to collaborate with someone, can you literally 
not to sound pedestrian, can you send an email and say, hey, or is yeah. it all f- pushed through managers? No, no it's one on one. You know, it's songs. Like what I was saying earlier when we were talking on the phone. The, the music has its most fertile ground when you're vulnerable, you know, when you're like putting yourself out there. And you're not going to put yourself out there if you don't feel safe, right? Your Wikipedia page. Yeah. It says something really interesting. It says, um, born in Houston, Texas, originated in North Carolina. I love that. I was born there and I was made here. First of all, it's not a four-syllable word. It's not Carolina. It's Carolina. Okay. You can tell I'm from New York. It's um, okay. So when I think about North Carolina, I was here by the time I was two years old. I'm thinking about it in a wider way. It always is so humbling to me that Nina Simone was born in North Carolina, John Coltrane in North Carolina, Thelonious Monk in North Carolina. You know, I think about what they contributed to music, and I just kneel and bow my head. Do you feel like there's a responsibility, not to the state, but to a legacy of a community? I used to live out, not all the way to Saxe Hall, but I used to live out in the country. There is an echo of a really simpler way of life that's, you know, like a that romance of a farmhouse and a garden and living out in the country and knowing your neighbors and then suddenly being able to get really good meat and cheese <laughs> at this general store and um, you know the river and the mill community I mean there's a real romance to it I think and I think that um, the people there have captured that and widened it the feel of Saxapaha is very North Carolina. Speaking of North Carolina, I am a part of that thread, and hopefully I can push that thread forward in a good way. Do you get homesick? For North Carolina? We could start there. I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, a lot of my work is about home and looking for home. So I have had many times where I'm homesick for a place I haven't found. I actually think that my daughter is my home. That having her in my life, she is my home. If she's with me, I'm not homesick anymore. You do look like me. Hi. All right, we ready? Can you say bye, Jean? Bye. Can you bye. say have a good show? Have a good show. Okay. All right. Bye, you guys. You guys have known each other for a while. You both now call North Carolina your home. And you invited Tift here. But what was it like seeing her on day one in the room? That's a big deal, no? It's super cool. Art friends are the best. Tiff's a great art friend. We talk. We get to talk about all kinds of stuff. A lot of mutual interests. But yeah, it's super cool. I, I read this book, South American writer Alvaro Mutis. He wrote this um, series of novellas about um, this character called the Gaviero, Macrol the Gaviero. He was like, it's like a modern day um, Don Quixote, but they were merchant marines. And I feel like we're like merchant marines. You know, like we have, we go out on our separate adventures and we collect all this experience. Then we come back and we've had similar experiences, but not the same and with similar interests. And it's, we just catch up and laugh. And, you know, sometimes you're more open and sometimes you're more cagey, but it's always great to see your art friends. Day one continued with industry, but maybe a little bit of a hole that, in my experience, was actually very common to day ones. Or is it days one? Oh well. 
On day ones of rehearsal, ironically amidst the smiles and the love, and quite frankly some of the good tears I was seeing, there is also an elephant in the room who cries for no one. And that tearless pachyderm on day one is the first of our M words, momentum, or lack thereof. First days lack momentum. A lot of firsts lack momentum. I mean, I won't get too graphic with you right now. It's only episode one, but momentum. How do you build something from something that doesn't exist? And the deception here is something kind of existed 15 years ago. So there was a lot of catching up to do, which could feel like momentum. But in terms of this work now, was it? A funny thing happened on my way to circumspection of first days because I was just about to get my own first, my first and final hello of this trinity of Calexico and Iron and Wine, Joey Burns. Joey had brought his core family on the trip to support and to enjoy, and that included Nova, his wife, and their two young daughters, who, like Tiff's young daughter, were treating this first day like the first day of school. I loved that. What I really loved, though, was Joey and the family came to North Carolina early and visited Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. And for those of you familiar, yes, it's that Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, where the Wright brothers did some of the earliest successful experiments in flight in the United States. A snapshot of history that Carolinians display on their license plate and a place Joey wanted to share with the family before rehearsal. I've actually been there myself. It's amazing. And true story, I actually bought a kite in their gift shop to fly on their beautiful dunes. When in Kitty Hawk, I guess. Hi, my name is Joey Burns of Calexico. I write songs, I play music, and I help others to create music. I was thinking about being a pilot because I was really uh, interested in aircraft. I grew up near uh, Torrance, uh, Torrance Airport in Southern California. And I had a buddy whose dad was a pilot. So we'd go to, the, to his hangar and look at planes, and ride mini bikes, kind of got into music more. Seems like it worked out. Yeah. How's it going? I mean, it's hard to assess externally. The most important thing is just harmony, you know, just hanging out and catching up with people and seeing people's personalities and nuances and um, and listening, not only musically, but, you know, just emotionally, just being there and seeing how the balance works. Is there any such thing as a bad work session? Oh, yeah. You can have a bad day anywhere with anything, you know, it's... Um, it's not always optimal, you know, there's times when, you know, work needs to be done and you're on a schedule, but it's really important to really, you know, to listen to one another and yourself so that you know what you need and how you can help others in the best way. It feels like momentum operates very differently here. Yeah, when you rehearse and when you travel and when you have a conversation, there's always a, a kind of like a natural rise and a, and, a, and a fall. Those dynamics are kind of built into our lives. Wow, that is a really holistic way to look at this, something I'm probably not capable of because I'm looking at things in parts. But maybe Joey was onto something because things were getting louder and bassier and percussionier. Now, just to clarify, work during this time was happening constantly. Audio levels were being checked. Monitors were being tweaked so the guys can hear each other, so the conversation can happen. And that's another word we're going to hear a lot about, the importance of a conversation. Which brings up another thing I found really fascinating about this first day. The musicians were rehearsing on stage, but turned into each other, squarely facing one another, which I felt was both a nod and a need to musicians in dialogue, a conversation. 
On subsequent days of rehearsal, the guys would be facing outward towards an audience that didn't exist, or rather will exist, but that will be episode number two. But this is day one, and kind of late at that, yet still no songs. Play practice for a performance. Wherefore art thou songs? There were sounds, and rhythms, and beats, and tunings, and tickles, but all sort of free-floating, no borderline, no storytelling, no beginning, middle, end. All canvas and no frame. Speaking of canvases, I saw Sam holding the cover for the record Years to Burn. Sam designed the cover. One thing I find really interesting about Sam is he's a self-taught musician, but he's a trained studio artist, and he also studied film. So when I consider the word artist, Sam is one. Doing the math, I thought there must have been some great epiphany to this album cover, some great art historical foundation. To the untrained eye, it was the three guys' faces in this sort of Matisse-like relief. But who knows, maybe Sam's leaping off point was Monet or Manet, tippy-tippy-day-day, cubism or futurism, you know, something historic. Remember that book, uh, Hungry, Hungry Caterpillar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of the same kind of construction. They're gorgeous. Thanks, ma'am. Acrylic, some of them are watercolor, some are just different construction paper. It's also with, do you mm -hmm. have like some marker this, or is that just... It's this all is brushes, like right? a, the background was just a, like a piece of like scratch paper that I had um, used to get, so the table wouldn't get paint on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, once you start playing with those elements, um, they're all on equal footing. This one? Yeah. It's a, another oh, red floor. piece. Yeah, and then there's like a, I just, the sun was coming in through the window. Wow. I love that. Did you use a photograph or? Yeah, they sent me photos. Yeah. Selfies? Yeah. self they were, they were like, <laughs> let's pull them off their Instagram. <laughs> Collage. Yeah. Collage. Okay, so I was off on my art history references for the cover, but it's a stunning cover nonetheless. While talking to the guys, full disclosure, I glanced over at a piece of paper which had some of the more practical parts of this assembly, where the guys had to be, how they had to get there, and when they had to get there. And this is no small variable, especially when you're asking the artists to stay connected to the present while they're creating. Thankfully though, my mind could disconnect from the present because I just found out where we were headed next, a small town just south of Maryland, as it turns out. After leaving Saxpaha and before playing Brooklyn, the guys were headed to Washington, D.C., and they were headed to NPR, the mothership, National Public Radio, but not to do standard promo, to do a tiny desk concert, and I was more than a little geeked. I'd love seeing these online, I'd never been to one, Sam had played a handful, John and Joey had never played, so all this alchemy would be a cool thing to capture, and I'll bring you all that detail in episode three, but in the meantime, here's a tiny thought on Tiny Desk, and no, I was not obligated to say it that way, I chose to. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing like how much that thing has caught on. It's really cool. Wu-Tang Clan did one. The, the Muppets did one. Bringing us in to wrap it all up. <laughs> what is New York promo like? There's a bunch. We're doing CBS Sunday morning, or CBS, one of the morning shows. Fox, to do Fox and Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Where does this line up for typical rehearsal structure, atypical for you? We're a little short, short man. Trying to get as much work done without everything happening the way it's supposed to, but also be understanding that we're short. Like someone that we we're going to use later wasn't available to do this week, and so we're just like, fuck it, we'll just go short man. But what it means is like you're sitting around, nothing to do today while we wait on things to happen. And everyone's working 
the people that are here are working really hard and getting everything done. It's just we don't have enough people. At the Division of Labor is a lot like making movies. You know, there's essential things, and and you're down. Somebody, everything just slows down, and then the momentum of the art slows down. You hit the M word. I was just talking about that with Joey. How do you build momentum? Is momentum internal versus external? I always end up being the taskmaster around. It's not a role that I like. I, mean, I can't make. I can't create another person. You know, where there isn't one. So, and I don't want to like make other people that are working hard feel bad because you know they're not superhuman. <laughs> so. There is a quotidian between the number of people who take place in a rehearsal, what the output is, what the expectation is, what the length of things aspires to be, and again, momentum. Words and lyrics are a good sign, and vocalization, and that's always a prelude to something, music, methinks. Me also thinks that there is another solution to this momentum problem of a first day, which is also my favorite piece of autodidacticism for the win. Yes, friends, again, coffee. And thankfully, Sam's manager, Howard, as he's been a lot today, was Johnny, or rather Howard, on the spot. Iced Americano, please. Robert, any And it was beyond worth the wait. These men had gone from catching up to conversations to cover art and caffeine and had transcended them all. Rather, they were grist for this magical mill within a mill where, as John said to me, it was really about the sounds. As Joey said to me, these guys could pick right back up after 15 years as if it had only been 15 minutes. And as Sam said to me, it was a conversation, a talk, never predictable, never standard, but metered, measured, the art of math for us non-math majors. One musician passing around a tone, a color, a speed, a mood, a sound, an idea. Most art forms play within time. For this moment, for this first moment, this first day, these guys were steering time. I don't think I'd ever seen that this close. To be close to this rink, this immaculate ice skating. A repetition and a cadence that made me wonder, where does 15 years go? Does it ever go? Maybe we find it in other parts. You know, they say I'm vintage, I'm not old. Never a duplicate, only an original. You truly had to be there. And now you were. Yep, there's that one. Great time. (laughs) (laughs) On the 
next part of assembly. I mean, I have lots of friends in the community, but rarely do they get to see me do my art. Oh yeah, what am I doing on this song? Am I playing acoustic or electric? Is there a capo? <laughs> How do you feel like on show days? Is today a show day? Yeah, no that one, no that one, no that one. What, I kind of forget what I do on that one. I got you to sing that one. I always <laughs> okay. sing that one. Do you have any rituals on show days? I mean, are they legal? <laughs> uh, it depends on where you are. North Carolinians would be like, it's going to happen, don't worry. We're going to make it work. Well, I am always curious why the people are first. I really hate being behind tall people where I can't see anything. I don't like to look like a fool, although I'm really good at it. I'm not a trained musician. Are you proud? Thank you very much. Hello, hello. Have patience with us. I'll be good to you and I Fuck it up. Assembly is created and produced by me, Robert Malazzo. Original music for Assembly is by Sam Spiegel and ANR. A special thanks for this episode of Assembly goes to Jessica and Brad from, from San, San Francisco. Francisco and Isis Masood, Miami, Florida. Visit our website, theassemblypodcast.com. Send any questions, comments you have. You can also suggest an assembly you'd like me to feature on the show. And of course, you can contribute there. Your contributions are incredibly appreciated, I promise. Assembly is a presentation of the Modern School of Film. <laughs> One in two women wear the wrong foundation. Which one are you? Get on the better looking side of those odds with Il Maquillage. Using AI, Il Maquillage virtually shade matches you to the perfect foundation. Their foundation has over 50,000 five-star reviews thanks to its luxe lightweight formula. And with 50 shades, there's a flawless finish for everyone. Take the Power Match quiz to find yours at ilmakiage.com quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz.